Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. All right, say it with me. We're a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. So spirit, soul, and body, part four, maintaining a healthy soul. Simply put, the key to an obedient and healthy body is a healthy soul. Amen. As we've been talking about throughout this series, I've mentioned this many, many times. If you bring your spirit and soul into unity, the body will follow. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord. Amen. The Bible makes it clear you are three parts made by a three-part God. God the Father, God the Word, and God the Holy Ghost made us spirit, soul, and body. That spirit part of us is the part that was made just like God. The word there in the Greek in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 is the Greek word pneuma. It means breath or wind or air. Just like God breathed into the nostrils of Adam and he became a living soul, we have breathed into our little embryos the moment that we are conceived, the breath of God, and life comes into that little embryo, and we have a little human spirit. And that little embryo grows and develops and develops a soul, a mind, a will, a personality, intellect, and then also a body. Amen. So we are spirit, soul, and body. Contrary to what many teach today in the body of Christ, the spirit and soul are not the same thing. There are three different Greek words used there in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, which makes it clear that the spirit and soul are different. Now, Hebrews 4.12 says they are so closely intertwined that it takes the word of God to tell where one ends and the other begins. Nevertheless, they are two separate components of what I believe is the heart of man. That's a little bit of review for you. So when we bring our spirit and soul into unity, the body will follow. I've alluded to this fact about the spirit and soul being in unity and uh, I use the scripture, Psalm 86, 11, which talks about having a united heart as my proof text. And I think that I uh, have sort of mentioned that enough times that I need to go into a little bit more detail uh, and let you know where I'm coming from. All right. First of all, I teach and believe that the heart of man is the spirit and soul in combination. Peter speaks of the hidden man of the heart. First, Peter three, four, if you would put that slide up there. The hidden man of the heart. The context goes something like this. Don't be so concerned about your outward appearance, but be more concerned uh, that the hidden man of the heart shows up on the outside. But the mere fact that he's referring to the hidden man of the heart implies to me that the heart has more than one component. So if you think about the heart being the spirit and soul in combination together, then you say that the spirit man is the hidden man of the heart. And it makes sense to me because the spirit man is the hardest part of your three part being for us to see, right? Because he's in the middle, the core of your being. We can see your soul when your emotions are raging, right? We can see uh, your face change, your 
your actions respond to your emotions. So we can see a manifestation of your soul very easily. We can also see the actions of your body very easily, but we can't always see what's going on on the inside, the spirit man, the hidden man of the heart. So it makes total sense to me. If the spirit is the heart, which some teach, if the spirit is the heart of man, then Hebrews 3.12 doesn't make any sense to me. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, we just spent weeks teaching that when you got born again, your spirit man became brand new. And Ephesians 4.24 says that he is created like God in righteousness and true holiness. So if you have a spirit that is righteous and holy and the spirit and the heart are the same, how could your spirit ever become an evil heart of unbelief? You follow my logic there? So something else must be going on. And the way around this is to realize that the heart is the spirit and soul in combination. And if your soul becomes corrupted, then that is uh, corrupting your heart, your whole heart, your spirit and soul together. Amen. On the flip side, if your soul becomes renewed to the things of God and learns to think like God, then your heart becomes purified, united. And then we have the situation which I talked about earlier. The spirit and the soul are united, and they tell the body what to do, and the body says, yes, sir. Psalm 86, 11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. When your spirit and soul are in agreement, when they're on the same page, then your heart is united in purpose and your body will carry out the desired actions of the heart. Amen? Praise God. But let me caution you. That's only if you have a regenerated, born-again spirit on the inside of your heart. It does not apply to unregenerate man. In fact, Jeremiah says, without a regenerated spirit on the inside that the heart of man is desperately wicked. That's Jeremiah 17, 9. Jesus went on to say in Matthew 15, 18 through 20, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Amen. So, in unregenerate man, nothing good comes out of his heart. Okay? And this is contrary to most philosophical teaching throughout the world. I dare say in most of the body of Christ. Because if you ask somebody the question, do you think man is inherently good or evil? 85% of the people that you talk to are going to say, well, I think man is inherently good. There's good in everybody. Without Christ, man is inherently evil he has fallen from grace and he cannot be ultimately good without Christ's help without being born again everybody follow me all right so point number one I don't normally teach like that but I'm going to this morning point number one a healthy soul will yield an obedient body amen how many know that your body sometimes has a mind of its own it wants what it wants when it wants it, right? Amen. And so that 
baser impulse has to be trained. Amen? Has to be disciplined. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'll read it first in the King James, and then we'll read it in the New Living Translation. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me back up. That word there in verse 2, transformed, comes from the Greek word which we get the English word metamorphosis from. And we all know about the ugly caterpillar that spins the cocoon and then comes out a beautiful butterfly. Amen. So this is the picture that's being painted by Scripture. Amen. You can take your ugly soul, which is like a furry little caterpillar, and train it to heed the Word of God and the ways of God and the Spirit of God, and that fuzzy little caterpillar will become a beautiful butterfly in Christ. Amen? In sync with the Spirit that's already been born again and is righteous and holy just like God. Amen. Hallelujah. So, let's read it in the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. This transformation involves changing the way you think, changing the way you think about everything. How many remember when you first got born again, one of the first things you noticed that over a period of two or three weeks, your entire worldview began to change. That was the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you starting to communicate to the soul, your mind, hey, we got a new way of thinking we want you to get used to now that you're born again. Amen. Hallelujah. We need to train our minds to think like God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I like what Norval Hayes says. God don't thinks like we thinks. He's not stupid. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. He's a little bit country. He's from Tennessee. Hallelujah. Romans thirteen fourteen says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. To fulfill its lusts. Listen to it in the New Living Translation. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't even think about it. Just turn away from those thoughts. Say to yourself, listen, I'm a redeemed man or woman of God. I've been born again by the Spirit of the living God. I've been washed by the blood. I'm as righteous and holy as God himself on the inside. Now I'm determined to let what's on the inside affect me on the outside, and I will not act like a heathen. I will act like the righteous person that I am. Amen. Amen. Over there in Philippians, we use this many times. The scripture says, you know, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because God's at work on the inside of you, conforming you to his will and purposes. 
you've already got somebody in the, on the inside of you that's working to make you like God, so you might as well cooperate and work what's on the inside to the outside. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 9.27 in the New King James Version says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. A couple of things I want you to see here. First of all, it is possible if you get the spirit and the soul on the same page to discipline and train your body and keep it under. Keep those baser impulses at bay. It is possible. It's also prudent if you want others to be attracted to Christ. If you're preaching living one way and you're living another way, nobody's going to listen to what you have to say. That's why Paul said, listen, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Why? So that when I preach to others, they'll listen to what I have to say. Because they'll say, he talks the talk. And he walks the walk. Amen. And we're going to do the same thing. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right. A healthy soul. Point number two. A healthy soul will yield a healthy body. Now, listen, I want to camp here for a while because everybody in here, most everybody in here has suffered with or fought physical symptoms and pain in your life before. Amen. So listen to me. A healthy soul will yield a healthy body. It's in the scripture. Third John verse two said, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now that word there, soul is the Greek word uh, suke. It looks like psyche, but it's actually pronounced suke. And it means the mind, the mind, the will, the emotions, the Intellect, the personality. Amen. So the Bible says, now now think about this. Do you believe the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this epistle? Yes, I think we all do. Amen. So when he says, beloved, I wish, you know, that word is also translated elsewhere in the New Testament as I pray. Beloved, I pray. Above all things, that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Would it be too much of a stretch to say that if John put this in the Bible, being led by the Holy Spirit, that this is what the Holy Spirit is praying over us? The Holy Spirit saying, I wish, I pray above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So if the Holy Spirit is praying that, then God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, are praying that for you. Amen? They're desiring that for you. But the key to all of that, to prosper and be in health, is to ensure that your soul prospers. And therein lies the challenge. Amen? We've got to renew our mind to God's way of thinking. To the ways of the word and the ways of the spirit. If we're going to prosper in our soul. And when we begin to prosper in our soul, it will affect our body. It will even affect our finances. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. In order for your body to be in health, your soul must first prosper and be in health. Proverbs 14, 30. 
A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. That word there, sound, is the Greek word marpe. It means healthy. So another way we could read this verse is, is like this. A healthy heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. Now remember, the heart is the spirit and soul in combination. When they're united, they're both following after the ways of God's word and the ways of God's spirit. And your heart is united and it becomes healthy and it will produce health in your body, in your flesh. Amen. That's what the Bible says. But envy, jealousy produces rottenness in the bones. I don't want rottenness in my bones. So I'm telling envy and jealousy to leave me in the name of Jesus. It's easy to slip into envy. We find ourselves comparing ourselves with other people. I wish I was like that person. I wish I had the gifts and talents that that person had. It's so easy to slip into that. But guess what? God made you unique and distinct you be the best you you could ever be because nobody else on the planet can be you as good as you can. Amen. Proverbs fifteen thirteen. This is amazing. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. Now, I did a word study. Sorrow of the heart is what we would call depression. Proverbs seventeen twenty two. along those lines, remember... What we just read, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. So you could read this because of what we just talked about like this. A merry or a happy heart doeth good like a medicine, but a depressed heart dries the bones. For decades, it has been known in the medical community that the rate of osteoporosis in women is directly proportional to the rate of depression in women. Women in depressed states have a greater rate of osteoporosis than those that are not in depressed states. Thousands of years before the medical community caught up with the Holy Ghost, God said, listen, it's better to have a happy heart, a healthy heart, because it's just like medicine, but a depressed heart will cause your bones to, They become dry and brittle. So let's be happy. Let's be healthy. Let's ward off depression. Listen, two times in my life I can point to a time when I was truly depressed. Once when I was a sophomore at NC State. And the other time in 1997 when I was going through a battle with the the leadership at the Air Force Reserve Unit that I was a part of. Okay, And I, I just feel like I need to share this. It begins in the flesh. But listen, let me warn you. If you indulge those feelings of sorrow of the heart, feeling sorry for yourself, if you indulge those feelings, you open the door to demonic oppression. And I will make this as short as possible, but there was a period of time in 1997 where I went through several weeks of severe depression. So much so that my wife, who knows me, pulled me aside one day and said, You need to snap out of this. This is affecting the children now. They've never seen you like this. This is not like you. Snap out of this. You're the leader. We're looking to you for leadership. And I went to the Lord, and I was praying in the Holy Spirit one morning, and the Lord spoke to me, and it's from Romans chapter 13, verse 12. He said, cast off the darkness and put on the armor of light. 
I was like, where did that come from? (laughs) And at the time, I didn't remember that it was in Romans. I had to go look it up. And the Lord said, you need to deal with this. The whole thing said, listen, the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In other words, he was saying, how much longer are you going to put up with this before you cast this off? So I meditated on that all day, uh, even into the evening. Trisha and I went to bed, and that night I woke up at about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was in the spirit, and I looked at the foot of my bed, and there was a black creature at the foot of my bed. He was swirling around. It looks like an upside-down whirlwind. And I knew in my spirit that that was a spirit of depression. And I also knew that I had invited him in. And I heard the word of the Lord. I heard Jesus speak to me. He said, how much longer are you going to put up with that? I said, Lord, not another second. <laughs> I mean, I know when the Lord gets on you, you, you do what the Lord tells you to do. So I pointed my finger at that thing. I said, you foul, dark spirit of depression. Get out of my house in the name of Jesus and never come back. He slipped right up the wall and through the ceiling. And I never, ever saw him again. The next day. I didn't instantly wake up and tiptoe through the tulips. And, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. The little dark swirling thing is gone. Hallelujah. And everything is roses. No, there was still the feeling of depression. I still had to deal with my flesh. I still had to walk it out. But the spiritual root of that thing had been broken. And so I began to walk it out day by day. That thing is gone in the name of Jesus. I am not depressed. I will not be heavy. I have a future. God's got a plan for my life. He will not leave me nor forsake me. He's with me. He's for me. He's in me. And over a period of a couple weeks of confessing like that, I was able to walk out of that depression, and I've never been depressed a day since. And that was over 20 years ago. Somebody in here needed to hear that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. A happy heart, the Amplified says, Proverbs 17, 22. A happy heart is good medicine, and a joyful mind causes healing. I choose to be a happy, joyful heart. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll let my heart rejoice, and it produces healing in my body. Amen. Hallelujah. Along those same lines, I want to talk about point three now, the power of meditating on the Word of God. Amen. We're going to go through Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, and I'm going to comment on every verse because you can learn some things when the Bible's teaching you about meditation. So the power of meditating on the Word of God, Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, starting with verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. You're in the mall and you're walking by J.C. Penney and uh, you have to go in there. And unlike women, you know, you're a man. You go in there because you're going to go buy something and you're going to leave, you know, because you got a two o'clock appointment you got to make. So you run into somebody, you know, and they want to talk. What do you say? I'm sorry. I can't talk. I've got an important meeting I must attend to. So I got to go. In other words, you're placing priority on the meeting that you have to make. And so when it says, attend unto my words, to me that says, put the word 
first place in your life. Amen? Make it a priority. Glory to God. And listen to the Word of God. So put the Word first place in your life and listen to the Word of God wherever and whenever you can. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 21. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. That says to me, read the Word of God and memorize the Word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 22. For they are life unto those that find them in health. Some translations translate that medicine to all their flesh. Take God's medicine on a regular basis and it will bring life to your body. Amen. Believe in God for symptoms to disappear and they just seem to be really, really persistent and you've been quoting the word two times a day. Increase the dosage of God's medicine. Take it four times a day. Amen. Keep or guard thy heart with all diligence. Verse 23. For out of it are the issues of life. Listen, you need to be careful what you watch, what you listen to, who you hang out with. Protect your heart and your heart will protect you. Amen. Guard your heart. Don't watch garbage on TV. Don't listen to music that doesn't glorify God. Now, listen, I'm not saying all secular music is evil, but enough of it is that you need to be discriminatory about what you listen to. Amen. Final point, the power of the spoken word. We need to learn to speak the word of God over our bodies if we want to ward off sickness and disease and live long, strong and healthy lives. James chapter three, verse Two through five, talking about the power of the tongue. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. In other words, if you can control your tongue, that's 95% of the battle. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. In other words, your tongue may be little, but it can do a lot of good or it can do a lot of damage. Amen. There is tremendous power in the spoken word and not just the spoken word of God. Whether we realize it or not, the words we speak over ourselves, whether positive or negative, have a tremendous impact on our bodies. Now, I've been devouring Dr. Cho's book, The Fourth Dimension. And there's a passage in there that I want to read to you in the book called The Fourth Dimension, Dr. David Cho. And it is very eye-opening and astounding. So just listen and keep in mind This book was written in 1983. So these things have been known in the medical community for decades now. This is the leading neurosurgeon in Korea talking with Dr. Cho. Dr. Cho, did you know that the speech center in the brain rules over all the nerves? You ministers have power because according to our recent findings in neurology, the speech center in the brain has total dominion over all the other nerves. Then I laughed, saying, I've known that for a long time. That's Dr. Cho talking. How did you know that, he asked. In the world of neurology, these are new findings. 
I replied I had learned it from Dr. James. He said, who is this Dr. James, he asked. (laughs) He was one of the famous doctors in biblical times nearly 2,000 years ago, I replied. And in his book, chapter 3, the first few verses, Dr. James clearly defines the activity and importance of the tongue and the speech center. The neurosurgeon was completely amazed. Does the Bible really teach about this? Yes, I answered. The tongue is the least member of our body, but can bridle the whole body. Listen to this. This is a mind blower. Then this neurosurgeon began to expound their findings. He said that the speech nerve center had such power over all the body that simply speaking can give one control over his body to manipulate it in the way he wishes. He said, if someone keeps on saying, I'm going to become weak, then right away all the nerves receive that message and they say, oh, let's prepare to become weak. For we received instructions from our central communication that we should become weak. They then, in natural sequence, adjust their physical attitudes to weakness. If someone says, well, I have no ability, I can't do this job then right away all the nerves begin to declare the same thing. Yes, they respond. We received instruction from the central nervous system saying that we have no abilities to give up striving to develop any capacity for capability. We must prepare ourselves to be part of an incapable person. More? There's more. If someone keeps saying, I'm very old, I'm so very old and am tired and can't do anything, then right away the speech central control responds, giving out orders to that effect. The nerves respond, yes, we are old. We are ready for the grave. Let's be ready to disintegrate. If someone keeps saying that he is old, then that person is soon going to die. Now, if our words have that much power over our body when we're just talking words, Imagine how much power over our body our words would have if they're laced with the word of the living God. Bringing life and strength and health and endurance to your body. Listen, I'm getting older chronologically, but almost every day of my life, this is my confession. I embrace the spirit of Caleb, who was 85, and as strong as he was when he was in his 40s, I embrace that whole attitude from a man who wasn't even born again, filled with the Spirit, if he can say such a thing and achieve such a thing, how much more should the born-again, Spirit-filled believer, amen? I'm not getting older. I'm getting stronger. I'm bench-pressing right now as much as I did when I was in my 30s. Because that's been my confession, not just for days or weeks or months, for years, for decades. And I'm going to keep it up. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen, this passage that I read in Dr. Cho's book about people who talk themselves into an early grave became alive to me. Just a couple of nights ago, I was at a meeting and I met two 90-year-old women. One was in a wheelchair and the other one was completely healthy. Looked like she was 70, not 90. And I overheard the one that was in the wheelchair talking to Ricky Leonard, our friend, our resident evangelist. And Ricky asked how she was doing. She said, well, you know, I had a fall. 
and I've had these pains and, you know, all these things are coming against me and I'm just getting older and more things are happening to me every day. You know, I'm just uh, I'm just going down and down and down. And then I went over and I listened to the other woman who I've talked to several times. She's 91 years old and fit as a fiddle and confesses the word of her body every day. She says, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the healed of God. And I ward off sickness and disease because I'm not ready to go. When the Lord is ready to take me, he's just going to take me. I don't have to get kicked out of my body by sickness and disease. He's just going to take my breath and I'm going to be with Jesus. Amen. Do you see the difference? The difference is what was coming out of their mouths. This lady was in a wheelchair and she was having exactly what she said. So, very sobering thoughts. Our words are powerful, especially when it comes to our bodies. And especially when they're laced with the word of the living God. Let's make up our minds as the people of God that we're going to read the word, meditate on the word, Speak the word, act the word, and take hold of the truths of God's word for our spirit, soul, and body. Let's make transforming the middleman, our soul, our highest priority so our body follows after the desires of the spirit man on the inside. Finally, let me leave you with this exhortation which illustrates what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For we are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.